0: The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay paul Nadeau.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I have the story of a child abduction, a child who was abducted by his mother and taken to another country. My guest is Cesar Quintana, whose son, Alexander, was abducted over a year ago and taken to the Ukraine. Since then, as we all know, Russia and the Ukraine are engaged in a war, and the international child abduction laws really don't apply. Caesar has done everything humanly possible to bring his son home. You see, Caesar has full custody of his son for good reason. You'll hear that in the story. If anyone out there has any connection to some political force in Russia who might be sympathetic to Caesar's situation, please reach out to Caesar. I will be leaving some contact information in the show notes, and you can reach out directly to Caesar. Without any further delay... I introduce you now to Cesar Quintana. Hello everyone and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I have a special guest with me, Cesar Quintana. Cesar's story involves his son who was abducted by his mother. And it is a situation in which international child abduction laws come into play and really roadblocks come into play. This is a heart-wrenching story And one, I believe, ought to be shared to the world because it affects so many people. And Caesar has done everything within his power so far to get his son back. And without any further delay, I would like to introduce you to to Caesar Quintana. Caesar, welcome to the show. And I would love for you to share your story. It's a story that needs to be told.
2: Sure, yeah. Where would you like
1: me to start? Well, how about... Uh, when well how about talking a little bit about your son tell us a little bit about alexander his age and uh, what kind of boy he is
2: sure yeah my son is three years old right now he was born in 2019 um so um, obviously i'm of hispanic descent his mom is ukrainian my wife his mother is ukrainian and um he was born healthy. He was born real healthy when he was, and uh, my, my only son, my only child. Um, there was a, I guess where all this really started was when we began to expect Alexander, he was um, initially m- my wife and I were expecting twins and um, one of them didn't make it before birth. So it was a really stressful pregnancy for her for that reason. Um you know because there was two babies and then all of a sudden at the next appointment they were still both there but one of them had passed so she was always worried that Alex you know about Alexander but so it was a stressful situation for her as far as that goes and he was born in, in when he, he was born in May 2019 and it was a difficult uh, it was, you know several hours we were expecting him finally he came and she was in labor for many hours and then when um when he was uh born we we're at the hospital a few days and we went home but his mother and my wife she she pretty much fell into really really big big depression and it was pretty much me and um i've been i've been um i own a business and i've been working from home for many years even before quote covet so thankfully I, I could be there to take care of him so it was me my mom would come over to help take care of him and um and then my brother's girlfriend would come and help as well but um basically she was just bedridden bedridden uh, depression and uh, for like the first 3 months she was just in bed depressed and as you as you as you probably know you can't force somebody to get help even as, as much as you try so i mean i did definitely try to get her to go somewhere to go into treatment somewhere but um yeah so that went on she got a little better and she was you know got more involved in uh in our son's life probably around July mid-July she started to recover a little bit and then um uh, pretty much uh it was on and off so she'd be good for a month then she wouldn't be for for a few weeks and you know she'd be good for two months and then um then she wouldn't be so it got to the point where she really was started to abuse on um, prescription meds, different types of meds, and, and alcohol, unfortunately. And yeah, it just got to the point where I just had to basically move out of our, our marital home. Um, we weren't divorced, but I just moved out and we filed for emergency um, emergency custody of my son. So I was given full custody of him. That's when I moved out. Actually, when she she the reason why is she she was pulled over for DUI, and she had gotten already several, so this was her third. So then I I got full custody of Alexander twenty August 2020. So he's about a year and a year and a half almost. And so him and I lived at a separate residence. I mean, I was still paying for uh, our marital home, and uh, my son's grandmother, his my wife's mother, came. So she was kind of helping me, but mostly I asked her to come to help her daughter because I just couldn't take care of both my son and his mom, my wife, while well, well, she was uh, you know, basically uncontrollable as far as drinking and being passed out and just behaving inappropriately. So our son, my son and I lived together for about six months separately, um, even though I had full custody and she was only allowed to visit certain times of the, of the week. I always let her as long as she was sober and fine. So she'd come and stay with us for a few days sometimes and she would go back home. Well, that went on for, since August uh, in September, she got a, a fourth DUI. So that compounded for her and I helped bail her out. She went back to our house with her mom. But anyways, so that went on till December 16th, 2020. I was having gallbladder surgery, and my son's mother was at my home with my father trying t- taking care of my son. I didn't really fully trust her, so that's why I had my dad there as sort of a chaperone supervisor. But anyways, so I fell asleep around 3 o'clock after my gallbladder surgery. It was a quick procedure. When I came home, fell asleep, my, my son, my wife, and my dad were in my living room in my apartment. And then I woke up sometime around 5.30 and uh, there was no one home. So I called my dad. He said he had gone home, that my wife was going to take care of me and the baby. Uh, and my dad was just hoping that we'd work things out, you know, marriage wise. And um, so anyway, she told him to leave. So I called her. She said, oh, I'm at the store. I text. I called her to answer. I texted her. She said she was uh, at the store. And I said, hey, you know, you can't be outside with the baby. you got to bring him back. i'll be home soon she texts that and then i waited like five minutes i called her and her phone was turned off texting i texted her she has an iphone so you know you can see delivered it wasn't delivered so then i you know waited about five minutes more and i just called the cops i told them what happened they came around uh, six something pm december 16 2020 they came and uh they didn't really take it seriously they were actually kind of upset at me. Like, why, you you know, if you're not supposed to be, she's not supposed to be alone with him, why did you let it happen? But it, they weren't alone when I went, you know, when I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that was their attitude. And then, um, so I, it never even crossed my mind that she could take uh, him out of the country because I had his passport in a hidden, in a hidden uh, location. But um, I know that she had multiple passports. She had one from Ukraine and, and a US passport. So I just told them, you know, she's she's got multiple passports, maybe can you check? And So they reluctantly checked. And then finally, sometime around midnight, there was a, a detective that came and was a little bit more serious. You know, all the details, took my story, took her background as far as where she lives. Her mom was still in the country. I mean, you know, when all this was going down, her mom was still here. And so anyways, that happened, met the officer. He was a, or the detective, he was a cool guy. So I didn't sleep at all that night, obviously. And then the next day, he comes, the same detective, um, investigator actually is what they call him. Investigator Hunt, he comes and he says, you know, I have good news and bad news. You know, when he said that, I'm like, are oh, they dead? And I'm thinking, you know, but he said, I'm, we found your son. But unfortunately, he was taken out of the country and is now in Ukraine. So what had happened is that sometime around, sometime around September when she got her fourth DUI, um, she was able to get a, a Ukrainian passport for us. And so, they, so it was my son, my son's mother and his grandmother, they all left. From the LAX to Turkey, to Odessa, Ukraine. And that's that was December 16th or 17th. And that's what happened. Um, that's how he was taken out of the country.
1: Okay. Um, and what year was that? December 2020. 2020. So he's been gone for over a year. And I understand that you have exhausted pretty much every possibility. You've knocked on every door to get assistance. Can you tell us a little bit about the steps that you took uh, to to get somebody to listen and to help?
2: Yeah, so I did I did a lot. Um, thankfully, I have a lot of free time on my hands. I, I own a small business and it, and it pretty much operates pretty hands-on. But um, so there was the legal route, which is, very inefficient it's called the hague convention or something i I know it's called the hague i don't know the actual code for it but so i i filed one of those almost you know within like a month after because you have to gather all these documents and prepare it before you send it to the country where the child is taken to so i did that in the background i did all the court documents got all the court documents in order to to do that you know this is january february 2021 but i also took um I also contacted. If you know, if you or your listeners ever Google child recovery expert, child recovery detective, there's a lot of agencies out there, and I worked with um, four, four, and um, and so one of them I paid $120,000. They didn't do anything except. Um, Give me fake documents like fake police reports from Ukraine. Another, I paid twenty five thousand dollars. It was the same thing. One, I paid forty five thousand dollars, and this woman claimed to have, to have worked. She previously worked with Interpol and the FBI. She claimed, and she gave me, you know, documents that she had filed a report with Interpol and forwarded to me. I still have them. And and this was actually a woman that was that, that was on the news for recovering a child out of I think Lebanon like twenty years ago. So to me it just seemed like you know legitimate. And I paid her forty five thousand plus twenty thousand. Um that was the first lady. That was in January. Then in February I worked with another agency and they actually traveled with me to Ukraine, um, to Mariupol, where my son was held. That was that was actually about a dollars $17,000 that I ended up paying them. And uh, plus, you know, I traveled to Ukraine, stayed over there. But that didn't go anywhere. This is, I mean, there's so many details I could tell you on a, what a farce that operation was. But um, I actually got to Ukraine, I think, February 28th or 27th, just right at the end of February 2021. And, um, so that last, I was there with them for about a month and then it didn't go nowhere. So they, you know, went their way and I stayed in Ukraine, you know, I met a, I hired a lawyer in Ukraine. So, so, and I'm still in touch with him. He's a good lawyer, but unfortunately courts move very slow, you know, everywhere. And especially when you're dealing with a situation like this. So for a while I was just, I mean, I decided to just stay in Ukraine. I was trying to get like visitations with my son. Um, uh, I was in Kiev from March, mid March, till about the end of uh, July, twenty twenty one. I uh, reached out to my son's family, his mother and his and his grandmother, and basically offered to to provide financial assistance in exchange for visiting with my son. So they agreed, and I I was able to see my son for the first time since he was taken July 27th. I'm sorry, July 26th, 2021. So, and he was much bigger. You know, when they took him, he was about a a year and a half old. And he was, by this time, he was almost close to two and a half years old. And so it was a nice reunion. So that was at the end of July. So I stayed in, this is in the city of Mariupol. still working with the courts but i always kept them i mean i kept it uh, civil and, and pleasant with my son's family especially his mother my wife but um and his grandmother so i was real pleasant just kind of going with the flow but i was always looking like how can i get out of here with my son you know like i always had that in the back of my mind uh, and my brother actually came and stayed with me my younger brother he he stayed with me there in, in, in Mariupol, ukraine so as you know like towards the end of 2021 you know you 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 would hear all these things about there's potential war and all this other stuff and i honestly didn't think there was but you know when you're scared that your son might be stuck in um, a war so i at the time i i was ex- very worried like if if it, if it happened because in mariupol when i was there i mean i was there for months you would see like military personnel ukrainian military personnel just like Driving down the street so I kind of I did panic so I decided you know I'm just going to take my son whatever I I talked to my lawyer he said it wasn't illegal um I'm his father she didn't have like exclusive she didn't have like even in Ukraine we still had basically like 50, 50 there was no like court ruling like I had here where I'm the sole custodian she had no she didn't have the Ukrainian version of that in Ukraine like there was no orders in Ukraine, no court orders. So I said, well, I decided to just take him on and, and go. Um, that was November, November 26th. Uh, I offered, I was staying at a hotel in Mariupol. I offered my mother-in-law and her husband, my father-in-law to have dinner at the restaurant. And yeah, it was a nice restaurant. It was a nice, probably the nicest hotel in that town. I was staying at so I offered it to them. I'm like, thanks for, you know, thanks guys for taking care of my son. I'd like to buy you dinner. <laughs> and then I knew they would offer to bring my son, right? So they brought him to me. And I said, oh, well, I'll just be in my room. You guys enjoy dinner. And I just left. November 26, 2021, me and my brother, I said, they went downstairs. Um, you know, I, I paid for the dinner. I went to my room. Um, just took a bag that I had Paired, you know, with diapers and stuff for my son, and change of clothing for me, and we left from Mariupol to Kiev. It's about a 14-hour drive. Um, you know, we arranged transportation, and uh, halfway through the um, our trip, we were stopped by the Ukrainian national police that we had kidnapped the child. I said, "No, I didn't kidnap anybody. These are my documents. This is my son," and they said, "You know, they held us for for a few hours, but ultimately they let us go." So they did the right thing, and then I continued on my way. About three hours after that, another group of police stopped us for the same reason. And but this time, our lawyer, my lawyer, was already with me, traveling with me, my brother, and my son. And so this time they didn't detain us. He just said, "We're leaving." And then the cop says, "Well, let me see your, let me see the father's passport. Let me see the. I want to make sure that they're related." So we give them my pass, my passport, and my son's passport. And he just says, you're not getting them back. You can go, but you're not getting these back. And so they got my lawyer and him kind of argued there for a few minutes. And I just told my lawyer, his name's Ivan. I said, let's just go, Ivan. We'll get a new one at the U.S. Embassy. So I called, obviously, this whole time I was calling the embassy, letting them know that I was coming. So after all of that, we finally made it to Kiev. And we went. I went straight to the U.S. Embassy. And um <laughs> it was, bad. and at this time, my son's family, her, his mother and grandmother, had called uh, the U.S. embassy. My 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 son's mom is also a U.S. citizen. And just told them that, um, just exaggerated that I had punched somebody and that I had pulled a gun and took my son and all this other stuff. But anyway, but they our our embassy in Kiev. Uh, for people who don't know there probably wasn't one American person working in the embassy, at least in the front end. The guards were Ukrainian, all the service, it kind of looks like the DMV, like a nicer version of the DMV when you go in there. All the tellers were Ukrainian, mostly female, and were definitely hostile to me, saying, you know, children, many men, one of them even said that children, don't you think that children are better off raised with their mother than with the father? Stupid comments like this. And I said, well, this is a this is a United States citizen, meaning my son, and he's a victim of kidnapping. They're kidnapping charges in the USA. And um she says, Well, I'm not gonna how can a mother kidnap his own child? Which I kind of understand, but in this case it's different. I mean, she mm-hmm. lost custody to him. And, and and I said, it's not and it's not your job to to make these determinations. My brother was there and he's just like, calm down, bro. Just ask him for the passport. And I said, Okay, well, whatever. I need a passport. He says we need the mother's consent. I said no, I have full custody, and I had all my documents. They were something called a- apostyle, like you know, certified international certification or whatever. They said, well, this isn't enough. Um, you need to have a direct court order saying that you can apply for a passport for him without his mother's consent. And that wasn't the case. Like I, even when I called my lawyer to, so I called my lawyer to tell him, hey, can we get a saying that i can get travel documents for him without his mom's consent so she and he said yeah well those documents you have should be enough i said well they said they weren't so let's just get that so he got it ex parte within like a a few days probably four or five days he got it the judge signed it you know explicit language father shall have uh be permitted to apply for travel documents forthwith or i i forget but it was very particular very specific language so then I got that about a week after I arrived in Kiev. Um, and then I submitted it to the embassy, visited the embassy again, you know, took my picture, my son's picture. And um this whole time, by the way, this is like three weeks going by and we still don't have any passports. Um, eventually they gave it to us, I think December twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. So so then I just booked a private plane. I booked a pl- private plane to take me to Greece. And then I was going to just take a commercial flight out of Greece. So I got to the private airport with my son, my brother, and myself. And when I checked in, probably about 30 minutes later, probably about 10 police officers showed up from Mariupol. So They drove off like 14 hours from Oh, wow. From Mariupol. And the reason for that, by the way, is my son's grandmother. She has a lot of family in the police department in Mariupol. So they said, they were just screaming and yelling at me. I went to the side and, um, uh, well, no, what did I do? Yeah, so they just said, I said, they said I had to give the baby. The cops did. And so I just kissed my son and I just said, bye for now, son. And I just gave him to his grandmother. that was the last time i saw him
1: oh my and since that was december 30th actually december 30th of
2: 2021
1: yeah all right and since then you have obviously been asking for a lot of support and help from the united states government and the doors have been closed on you still is that correct
2: yeah there's nobody coming to the rescue
1: Yeah, and and yeah, you, you've done so much, and I I can only imagine uh, your pain, uh, Caesar, and and I'm so sorry for everything that you're going through, and I can imagine your family as well are are missing you know your parents are missing their grandson, and uh, you have a home for him, and you have a, a means of taking care of him. Obviously, what is it that people can do to help you and to support you? Uh, is there anything, is there anywhere that they can go? Is there anything that they can sign or anything that they can do to actually bring your story out?
2: Yeah, we have a website, Bring Alexander Home. Um, and you can go on there and read about what uh, what we're trying to do there. But I guess more specifically, if anybody knows anybody in Russia, like any, I don't know, lawyers or someone in Russia that that might be sympathetic to this um i know my son is in russia right now i know he's not with his mother he's with his grandmother and i'm not sure where his mother is right now but um she's not with him for sure i talk to them actually sometimes you know i again i just try to keep the peace with them just so i can have some information on my son
1: of course. Well, I'm going to put that down in the show notes. And to all our listeners, if you do know someone in Russia who may be influential and sympathetic to this particular situation, please reach out to Caesar. Uh, you'll have a means of doing that in the show notes. And uh, we just send you our very best, Caesar. Um, I, I Again, as a father, I can't imagine I can't put myself in your shoes and and feel your pain because I I know I would be broken. You have shown so much uh, strength throughout this whole thing in never ceasing. Uh, Is there anything that you could share with our listeners for anybody who may be going through a difficult time and concerned that this may happen to them? Or maybe if it has happened, is there anything that you can leave our listeners with?
2: I mean I've gotten to meet a lot of parents um, that have been in the same situation as mine where their children are taken abroad and um, some of them have brought their children home some of them are still working to bring them home and some of them it's been 10-15 years and they don't even know anything uh, about their children, their whereabouts but I mean I guess (laughs) I don't know how people take this but if you're married to a foreigner you know my marriage was was fine I never thought my wife would be capable of doing this but there's very simple steps that you can take to make sure to put your child on the list that um, you'll be alerted if, if somebody purchases a plane ticket under, under their name and I don't know exactly what it's called but it's an alert through the state department and that I mean it doesn't cost anything um you don't even have to necessarily tell your spouse if you're worried about offending them, but that's really um, all. Almost all the parents that I've met that their children were taken, none of us think it's going to happen to us, right? You know, and um, all of them, almost all of them, could have been prevented by just putting your child's name on this travel list. So if one of the one of the spouses purchases a plane ticket, they'll be on notice, and you'll be contacted or they won't be able to leave. Even if you're not contacted, they'll see that the child is on this list. And which is interesting because, you know, we're so, well, I know you're in Canada, but we're in the US. It's so easy to take children out of, out of, uh, out of here. It's hard to get into these countries, you know, but to take children to leave, it's not. And a place like Ukraine, um, even Ukraine, it's, it's, it's very difficult like you need a parent's signature you need notarized permission from both parents unless you have specific court documents and stuff like that for my son but <clears throat> yeah it's um a lot of people think too you know oh she can't take him or he can't take him without my permission they can and they and they do all the time um just from different people i've spoken to over a thousand children are taken out of the u.s illegally by a family member every single year a thousand
1: Wow, oh my, and that is good to know. And what what a sad statement that it is easier to get a child out of the country without the signature of the second parent than it is to get a child into the country. There are certainly some changes that need to be made. And I am going to encourage anybody listening to this to share this story and to really seek uh, in your mind if you have anybody that you can connect Caesar with that may be again sympathetic to this situation that may help from the russian side and thank you caesar for sharing your story uh, it, it's a heart-wrenching story but i really appreciate your time here
2: thank you
0: thanks for listening tune in next week for another insightful episode if you haven't already hit the subscribe button and leave your comments For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.